Hello and welcome to episode 86 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAct.net and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I try to find our rhythm while slashing, tapping, swiping, and ricocheting our way to victory. How you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. It's tough to find rhythm with all those kinds of different movements, but we'll try the best we can. Yeah, especially staying in sync. Right. That's what a podcast <laughs> is all about. <laughs> yeah. And so, right now, there's not the most Apple news going on. We were kind of hoping that Apple would send invites for a potential October event, potential iPads that we talked about in the past, but no update there, so nothing to talk about there. So, pretty much... I'm going to recap a couple of experiences I've had related to Apple devices. As I said back in September when the iPhone XS came out, I got just the regular XS, but then I kind of changed my mind and I wanted the XS Max. So now I've got the XS Max, and I've been trying both kind of side by side to just see which one I'm eventually going to decide and then return the other one. And I'm surprised. So I've never had the big phone. I've never had the Plus version or anything. I know that you did. And so this yep. was my first time for that. And honestly, the iPhone XS, just the regular 5.8-inch screen, fits my hand absolutely perfectly. It's almost like fitting like a glove. It just is perfect for me, for my sitting in my pocket, sitting in my hand, whatever the case may be. So it's great for that. You know, my thumb reaches every aspect of the screen. I can use it one-handed. It's all fun. I got the new XS Max, and it's bigger in your pocket it's bigger in your hand you can't really reach the top parts of the screen unless you shift the device in your hand and then the way i hold it, it the bottom kind of rests on my pinky and so my pinky will cramp my thumb will cramp as i'm stretching it more but the actual screen is beautiful just there's so much more it seems like the iphone 10 style is just this little tiny baby device and the max it really kind of makes you wonder if you really need an ipad just whether you're playing games, watching video, like all the games we're playing this week, I decided to play it on the 10s Max just to see if that's a difference. And really it is. The games actually are like, it's not like, oh, I just need to play kind of those portrait games on the phone, you know, those simple games. You can play everything. I mean, you can play everything on the smaller screen, but once you get that Max screen, it does everything that you'd want. And I think I'm going to have to stick with the Max. As much as it's a little bit bigger in the hand, the benefits of actually looking at it change everything. Uh, hearing you talk, this is why I loved the Plus when I had the 6 Plus. It was just having that larger screen for all of the content that you're watching and consuming is just so much nicer to have that large screen. Me, I didn't mind the two hands or the shifting and not really being able to use it that well with a one hand. The biggest complaint I had with that large phone was in my pocket, making sure that when I sat down, I didn't like crack the screen. It just felt super large in my pocket. If I had cargo shorts or cargo pants on, that was fine because I had that separate large pocket that wasn't right where you're bending. But if I stuck it in my front pocket, I was always nervous that the screen was going to, something was going to happen to the screen. So if I sat down at my desk, I'd have to pull it out and put it on the table. If I got in the car, I immediately pulled it out and put it up on the, on my mount. But I do miss that large screen. It's just if I could find a way, if they could have a way you could fold that thing and then put it in your pocket so it's smaller, that would be amazing because I really do miss that super large screen. 
Yeah, I haven't really noticed a problem with my pocket with this device. I don't know if it's the way my pockets sit, but it, it doesn't feel that much bigger than the regular 10 size when it's in my pocket. And so when that's the case, I mean, everything that you do on the phone, a bigger screen is going to help. You know, whether you're looking at email, your messages, your different kind of chat apps, your Twitterific, Instagram, you know, news apps, the weather, all of it, maps, they're all going to benefit from a bigger screen. You know, it's not just games and videos. Everything that you do on the phone, you get more content on screen just naturally. You know, the apps don't even really need to be updated because of how they're scaled for the bigger device. So you, when you open up, you know, whatever chat app, you're going to have more potential messages in your little group chat. And it just, I'm surprised how much of a difference the bigger screen actually impacts day to day because you know you see other people using it but you're kind of glancing over their shoulder or you're looking to the right of you it's not the same as your device looking at it and it's so funny because the regular size of the 10 it is the perfect in terms of usability for one-handed use at least for me and then the 10s max is absolutely perfect for mirroring the size and screen so it's not the ipad but it feels close enough you know it's kind of almost like an ipad mini that you can actually fit in your pocket and bring around with you right and just going from like the 10 to the the max it i mean it's not that much of a difference in screen size like it's it is but it's not like a huge amount but it feels like a lot bigger of a difference when you go from one of the one size to the other it just feels like you're seeing a lot more getting a lot more even though technically it's not a huge bump in size it's 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 hard to explain until you've experienced like you have now it just it's crazy but it, you do definitely and i mean that's one of the things i definitely missed when i switched to the 10 I still haven't convinced myself the next time I upgrade if I'm going to go with whatever the max is called, if it's still around, or I don't know. Maybe I'll go back and, and do it all over again because I do miss it. But uh, yeah, it's just impressive how much of a difference that bigger screen can make. And that's not to disparage the regular size 10. It has its own benefits. Like when I pick it up, it feels lighter. When you, you know, you can just tell instantly, like, the other device actually feels heavy in comparison, but I have to imagine that that screen benefits outweigh kind of the size and heft and one-handed use. It, it's just dependent on per person, and that's why I've had such a tough time. I've been like over the past week going back and forth. I'll use one one day and one the next day, kind of switch the SIM cards out, and it's still a tough decision. I'm not fully convinced I want the Max just because of kind of holding it day to day, you know, especially if you get a phone call, you look like an idiot with this huge phone on the side <laughs> of your face. But AirPods help with that to take calls. So it's just that regular size of the 10. It just feels so good in my hand. I don't think they could have designed it better for my hand. So that kind of holds me back. But then also on the flip side, once you open it up, it looks tiny. It reminds me of, you know, going back to the iPhone 4 or that little tiny three and a half inch screen where it looks like you have this little baby phone in your hand, <laughs> even though it was perfectly fine. But now you get spoiled by the max size. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, you're preaching to the choir here. <laughs> I, I know exactly how you feel because I went through all of this exact same situation when I went to my plus. So, yeah, 
I, I, if you have a chance, I would definitely recommend if you're somebody who's always used like the the smaller size screens, go and try one out in an Apple store or in like a Target or other stores that sell it and just kind of do that little side by side comparison. Granted, you're not going to have all of the apps you use, but just see how, how much of a difference just that little bump in size makes. Yep. I mean, it's a hundred dollar difference and if you can definitely try to compare it and i think the max is definitely worth that hundred dollars you wouldn't think that you know you look at a spec sheet like you said it's a you know it's a few decibel points and inches difference it's not even a full inch in the diagonal but it is like this nine day difference it feels like you're picking up a different device yeah, yeah, it doesn't even feel like a phone. Like you said, it feels almost like, well, actually, now, nowadays it is almost like an iPad mini with the screen size, how big it is now. But, yeah, it's definitely try it out. Yep, and so also, I guess with my usability of Apple devices, my MacBook Air is a 2011, which isn't compatible with High Sierra, so... I was kind of looking to upgrade since my computer is relatively old. It doesn't have any kind of hiccups in terms of processing or performance or anything like there's that. There's no programs I can't run. But the battery life was getting to be the point where it's an hour or two hours at most, depending if I didn't use anything. You know, I go out for the day and I barely be able to use it at all. And the best part of the MacBook Air is that you can take it pretty much anywhere. And so I looked at up batteries. I went to the Apple store and it cost $180 to get a new battery and for them to install it. I'm like, well, 180 is definitely better than 1800 for a new computer, but that still doesn't seem worth it. So then I looked up, can you actually replace it? Like, I didn't even think you could do it yourself just the way Apple makes things. But it turns out I fixed it as a guide. It's five steps. One of those steps is do everything reversed in what you did. And it couldn't have been easier. I, it must have taken me 10 minutes at most. I found a battery on Amazon that's compatible. It's the best rated one they had. And so I got it, and it comes with the two screwdrivers you need for the special type of screws that Apple uses. And essentially, you undo 10 screws on the bottom casing. You open it out. You find the battery, which is the big, huge piece of your device. There's one little connector that has a pull tab. You undo that. There's five more screws on the battery itself. You pull it out. You then do reverse everything that of plugging the connector back in, screwing those five batteries, put the case back on, and then those ten batteries. And now my computer, it lasts the whole day on battery. I haven't. I plugged it in once where I, I used the computer all day. I got it down to 0%, and then I plugged it in, and now it's just been going as good as you could possibly imagine. And it's because I actually then looked up the system report of the power, and it turns out that my other battery was down to 3223 milliamps. That's the maximum full charge. And when the device is new, it should have 7295 milliamps. So it's less than 50%. That's why it didn't last hardly at all. And it turns out that it says number of charge cycles, 1168. So just as you're going to use your computer over time, each charge cycle is going to help kind of degrade the max charge. So now I'm back up to that full 7295, and I've only charged it in once, and it couldn't have been easier. If you have an older MacBook of any style, definitely look into that battery upgrade, because it ended up costing me $50 versus $1,800. 
that's I know a tough decision. Eighteen hundred fifty, eighteen hundred fifty. <laughs> so I went with the fifty dollar option. I gave my MacBook Air a new life, and it was probably the I should have done this probably a couple years ago. Well, yeah, that's good news that it was that easy to do. Because I, I know I'm a little nervous about opening up a Mac. And, and sometimes, it, like, I know with the hard drive, some of them, they have them glued down. So those you can't replace. But the battery, it, um, it's, like, I have to look up my model to see if I could. Because I've definitely noticed it degraded. And I had run a tool a while back because I had bought the the uh, Apple Care on it. Because I bought one of the refurbished units and i wanted to just make sure i had a warranty this was my first macbook so i i went ahead and got it and i was concerned that maybe the battery was wearing out faster than it should or at least apple says is normal it seemed to not hold its charge that well but i haven't looked into actually replacing the battery i just kind of mostly leave it plugged in and i have about three different plugs so i carry one with me all the time i have one at work i have one at home so that way i always have them around but uh if it's that simple now that i'm out of warranty maybe i should just look into this as well and see how if my model is that just as easy to uh, replace the battery yeah, because that was probably my biggest worry. I never even knew I could do it myself. I thought it was something that was an Apple Store thing, or if I did it myself, it would never have that seal. You know, MacBooks are all, like, so tightly comprised of everything sealed really nicely. So I was like, oh, it's going to be loose or something if I do it myself. You can't even tell that I ever took the back off, if you didn't know. It looks exactly the same as it did before. And for that, it's definitely worth the time, because, again... It doesn't take much. If you know how to use a screwdriver, you pretty much can do the whole thing. And it also helps because you get to open your device, you know, get the canned air and blow out the dust in your fan and just any dust that's accumulated over your circuit board of a device that's now seven, almost eight years old. Yeah, as long as you don't have more parts left over than you had when you opened it, it's always a good day. Yep. And so that's kind of pretty much... Apple experiences recently. I do know that there's a report that the 2018 MacBooks, MacBook Pros are really tough to kind of do it at home yourself. Apple's making them more and more kind of closed systems with uh, proprietary tech. So keep that in mind. But again, 2011 MacBook Air is good. A lot of, I think, 2010, 12, 13, 14 through 15 are really have the same kind of upgrade and same type of battery replacement options. Cool. Yeah, I have a mid-2015. And before we move on, one other thing I just wanted to quickly look back at, because I said I would give a follow-up, is screen time. So now I've had some time with screen time. My kids are not so happy they've had some time with screen time (laughs) because I've turned on the limits and they've hit the limits and then I get the request to add more time. And it's a little weird the way it's set up once you kind of dig into this. So the way you set those limits is you do it on categories of apps. So you say entertainment apps or games or other things. And you set those time limits and you have multiple categories under a single time limit. But... 
The problem is, if there's just like a certain app that you want to limit, there doesn't seem to be an easy way to do that. You can always say, I always want you to be able to use texting, or always want you to be able to use Messages app, or always use FaceTime. So that you can say you want to have an app never restricted, but there's no way to say, I just want to restrict this one particular app because I think they're using it too much. You have to do that whole category and then free up ones that are under that category that you don't necessarily want to happen to be restricted. So I thought that was kind of frustrating because there's times where I just want to like, so we have the circle and the circle is this Disney product that's separate. And I use that to limit their YouTube time and musically time. And the problem is if I put YouTube into that entertainment category and restrict it, now it's counting away from maybe time that I wanted to allow them to have on games and I don't, but I don't want to do the whole entertainment category because some of their games are classified as entertainment and not as games. So I kind of have to include the entertainment, but I don't want to say you have unlimited time on YouTube because if there's times when they're not at home and not on our Disney circle, I want it limited. I don't want them to just have free reign to watch as much YouTube for hours and hours and hours. So it's kind of, I wish they would add a little more granularity to this thing to allow you and maybe in the next uh, uh, version of it, they'll be have more tools, but it's kind of nice how it is now. But it could definitely use a little more uh, tweaking to give parents a little more control over individual apps. That's definitely good to know because I wouldn't have that, you know, information about impacting other people. I'm pretty much used using it as my own kind of feedback and trying to adjust things and cut things down for personal reasons, not for other people in my household. Yeah, I'm not even looking at my own time. <laughs> I'm just watching <laughs> theirs. And they always want to see my little chart of time, like, well, how long have you been on your device, Dad? <laughs> and so I don't show them, but I, I get the, the categories of theirs. Definitely worth noting. And that's pretty much the Apple stuff. And we would love to talk about new apps, and it's just they're so hard to come by. I mean, there's new Notes apps and stuff like that new you know versions to help you sign up for subscriptions to do various kinds of musical versions of things but for the most part it's stuff we've seen before there's better options out there so i guess that gives us t more time for games yep and so we'll start that off with grim valor which is a new side-scrolling hack and slash game it has a 2.5d setup which means that there's kind of this 3D depth to the objects in the environment, but you're just moving in that parallel left to right plane. You don't actually move in three dimensions. So with that said, if you've ever played kind of a hack and slash game, you'll be right at home with this. You tap on the left or right buttons on the left side of the screen, and then you have a dodge button, a jump button, and an attack button on the right side of the screen. And for t virtual touch controls, you don't have to look down to press these buttons. It seems really well-tuned where you're going to attack or jump or dash, and the dash is going to be important as you face all kinds of waves of enemies. You know, the game kind of slowly ramps up with here's a group of enemies, but then as you go, there are a ton of like enemy sections to get through of different varied enemies as you go. You'll have these big boss battles and just the classic elements you would expect of trying to go, you know, search a different pathway, collect some treasure here, 
or break some items over here and then just go through those waves of enemies as you're going along and move through a section of section of this game. Yeah, this game blew me away. It is so phenomenally good. And like you said, just starting with the visuals and the controls, everything just works perfectly. There are options within the the menus in order to enlarge the buttons, move the buttons, do whatever you want. I haven't touched the thing. And on my iPad, it just works perfectly. I haven't adjusted, had to move down the graphic quality to improve performance. Everything just worked. It supports MFI controllers. I haven't even touched an MFI controller because I've been so happy with just the way this game worked, just how it was right out of the box. And the whole setup of the game is you're going through this quest and this mission, and as you and you keep getting new missions to kind of do, you talk to new characters, they'll kind of give you new things. You're picking up these little soul shards that you then can upgrade your character as you're going through, and that unlocks new uh stronger abilities or maybe unlock other uh, little slots to hold special trinkets which give you special power-ups and things and you're as you're fighting these waves of enemies each of the enemies are different so you kind of have to learn how they attack and then you maybe have to change up the way you attack or use that little dash to kind of avoid their attack and come up behind them and and get them the first few waves of enemies they're kind of dumb they you seem to be able to like dash right through them and go right behind them and they you take them out before they came and turn around but other as you start to progress through the game you really have to keep on collecting these little shards in order to upgrade your character otherwise there's no way you're going to be able to beat these bosses the big main boss at the end of like the first act it took me 12 upgrades to and probably about 12 attempts to finally take this guy down just because you you start to learn how he fights but even then you he'll get a shot on you that just takes out a ton of your health and if you haven't upgraded or enacted these other or enabled these other abilities where you can now kind of refuel yourself mid-battle then there's no way you're going to win so you really have to kind of grind your way through but it never feels tedious it always feels like you're making progress just because the way the map kind of goes all around and you can see what percentage of the different areas on the map you've completed. So you always kind of know where you need to go and do more or maybe there's something else to find, something else to fight. So it's just always something to do. Yeah, and they just nail the flow of the game so it keeps you constantly just engaged. You know, there's some of these type of games where you could just smash the attack button and not worry. But this isn't one of those games. You really have to use that dodge ability to kind of avoid enemies, especially once you get to the ranged attacked enemies. You better sh make sure that you have that dash ability down. You know, you're not just DMing the attack button. So it makes it more than a button master. You kind of have to strategize your path through, especially when there's going to be 10 different enemies on screen. And then, like you said, there's all those potential upgrades that aren't optional. They're essentially necessary to deal with the bigger bosses and bigger badder enemies as you go right yeah and in just like the combinations that you're able to pull off just with the simple controls that they have using the jump the dash and then you start to eventually start to unlock on your hit button you unlock swipe gestures as well and those allow you to pull off if you've charged up certain 
things. So by your as you're killing other enemy, the minor enemies, you'll pick up those little shards, and those kind of fuel up your little special move kind of bar. I forget what they call it. But by swiping left or swiping down, you pull off these extra super powerful moves, which are the second level of your weapon that you happen to be using. And so they take off a lot of health out, off the enemies, and they become your your whole huge thing that you need to keep on an eye on as you're fighting these bosses. So you'll have to go and kind of mid-boss battle, take out a few of his little minions that have popped up to kind of refuel that thing to then go in and lay a giant hit onto the, the boss and hopefully take out a whole bunch of health. And it, I, it's just one of these games that I could not put down. Even though I was getting frustrated I could not be, beat this boss, I knew all I gotta do is get my guy leveled up a couple more times, and the next time I go, I'm gonna do it. And then I miss by a, a minuscule amount, and he killed me, and he had almost no health left. So I'm like working, 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 trying to go back, explore the areas where maybe I didn't explore yet, see if there's another trinket hidden somewhere that maybe will help me out. And then maybe I find something, maybe I don't. But in the meantime, I've killed a whole bunch of other minions, leveled myself up, and I'm ready to go again and take another attempt. And it's just a, such a well-made game. That it, this was one of the big surprises of the week. I had no idea this was coming. And then it, it just was amazing once I dove into it. It's a definite standout for this week and for this past month. Just how well everything's rendered with the really ornate design and then just the effortless flow you know there's no rigid movement to the player there's some you can dash and then just kind of start sprinting through the level so it just is kind of progressing you through the levels you know it's not this slow slog forward and just again everything is just this really beautiful kind of flowing dance as you're fighting these enemies and dodging and running and jumping it's just all of this great look and motion yeah, and just another flow element to it is just the way it perfectly saves your progress. So there's constantly these little checkpoints that you can hit, which refuel your character and uh, reset, like if you unlock this ability to kind of refuel yourself mid-battle, it resets the counter on that. So maybe you bump that stat up to four, so now you can do it four times before you have to before you can't do it anymore it'll reset that counter as well. So now you have not only a checkpoint, but now you're fully healed and ready to, to maybe take on the boss again or just take on another wave of enemies, explore a new area of the map that you haven't gone into yet that you know that you're probably going to need a bunch of health for. And so it's just the way they've done it in the iCloud syncing seems to work perfectly. I tried both on my iPhone and my iPad and just jumping back and forth. I was immediately right where I left off and it just everything you could tell so much thought and and work has been put into this to make it just a beautiful experience on mobile devices, no matter which one you happen to be using. Yep. And so that's Grim Valor. It's $5.99. It's universal. And then there's Elo which is a rhythm-based puzzle game which essentially requires you to move these blocks around into little designated squares to create a ricochet of the musical notes so that they hit certain squares and then reach the end point. And then as you go through these levels, there's going to be new types of squares and then new types of end points where 
it needs to just hit this certain kind of orangish block guy versus the whiter block guys. And then they have, you know, more complexities as you go where you have multiple notes bouncing in. So you have to make sure that you made a perfect path for this one note, but then it doesn't block another note. And then the best part of the game is that once you have each successful kind of solution, there's this neat little rhythm and beat that you've created just by moving these blocks around. Yeah, I love the complexity. It's it's still it's like a very chill game. You don't you never feel like a super pressure. You can move things around while those balls are bouncing around, and so you never. It's not one of these where you kind of set what you think is the solution, hit play, see if it works. Then it doesn't, so you have to reset it. You can be moving this stuff in real time, moving around, and. Just the complexity that has built up even over the first... I've played about half the levels at this point. I think there's 85 total, and I'm up around 50 or so. And I just love how it just keeps building on itself. So you'll start off with just like a single ball. you got to figure out how to bounce it around. Then you might have two of these ball generators, and they each have to hit one of the targets at the end. Then they'll add in where one of them is a different color. So now you have to have the brown ball go into the brown hole and the red ball go into the red hole. Well, then they'll introduce blocks that turn the ball brown. So now you don't want that red ball to hit the brown block because it's going to turn brown and then you're never going to be able to get into the red hole. So it's just constantly these layering and layering of new things to make it more and more complex. But it never feels overwhelming because they introduce this stuff over a nice flow of, of time and but it just ends up being this really interesting puzzle that you you as soon as you finish one you want to go on to that next one see what the next song like rhythm is see what the next new thing that maybe they add in that kind of makes it so that it's a little more difficult or a different challenge and it's just i've just really been engaged by this game if you like any of that type of kind of methodical puzzle game you're definitely going to be right at home because like you said it's not this you know time crunch or score based or any of that so you can kind of just focus on solving the level and appreciating the complexities as you go and how the game evolves and then i think probably the best part is that they have those pre-designated squares you know in the first few levels you're like oh this is too easy i only have a few squares this could possibly go to but as you get in further into the game you appreciate that you know, you don't have to just drag and hope for that best possible ricochet. You know, once it's it's in this certain designated square, it's going to have a certain angle of ricochet to then help, you know, your solution and figure out the proper pathways. It's not, you know, this trying to get the trajectory just right and rebalancing the movement of squares. So even though there's only so many potential squares on screen that your little blocks can go into, that doesn't reduce the challenge. It just makes for a better game. Right, and they even do an, a nice job because later on they introduce these sliding blocks and they kind of give you a few open squares in there. So you have to use a square to stop the sliding block at a certain point and then move the block maybe out of the way again to then have the ball be able to bounce and ricochet in the right spot. So they really use it. I mean, it, it would be way too complex if they just let you put squares anywhere. At least these kind of give you a hint towards it but they definitely do not make it easy you're going to be shifting things around and maybe you'll so what i often did was on the ones where it was like a red and a brown block i would go ahead and get the brown to where it need to be and then work on the red after that because then i would know the brown's working 
and I just got to make sure that red never hits a brown block and gets to where it needs to go. So you kind of start to chunk it out. And it's these are the same guys that developed Old Man's Journey, which we talked about previously. And it that too had like this kind of serene feel to it even though it was kind of like a an adventure game it never like was so overwhelming it was this beautiful story and i feel like this they kind of took what they learned in that game where this is a complete just a puzzle game but it has that it evokes that same kind of like soothing emotion as you're playing it like you never feel overwhelmed i'm glad it doesn't have timers i'm glad it doesn't have like you can only do an x number of moves it's just take your time figure it out and then you'll move on when you move on to the next level yeah exactly and i mean their old man's journey pedigree is definitely present just with the amount of polish and the subtle soundtrack this one kind of emphasizes the soundtrack more and that's definitely to be appreciated but just the whole kind of design idea any new game these guys are going to come out with is definitely one to look forward to yep i agree and then elo it has 85 levels it's 299 and it's universal and then there's smash puck which kind of combines elements of billiards with a little bit of air hockey kind of like mini golf and essentially you have this one little puck you drag to adjust the trajectory and power of your shot and let it fly and you have these other two pucks that you need to hit into the hole at the end of the level and then in familiar mini golf fashion there's going to be more and more kind of obstacles in the way between your puck and the pucks you need to hit in and then you always have the idea of billiards where if you scratch essentially your cue ball landing in the hole you lose that level so you also have to hit these in such a way that the trajectory of your ball doesn't go into the hole it bounces kind of back the opposite way and then as you go that air hockey idea is going to come into play with how these pucks flow you know it's not a ball rolling across the field it more flows and glides along the air and that's impactful when you start dealing with different kind of areas of the floor that speed up the ball or slow down the ball or make things go in a certain angle or you have lava pits or there's a area on the screen that's constantly moving like the windmill or something and you just have all these different elements come into play to keep things fresh and spicy as you go yeah and unlike Elo or Elo, I don't even know how it's pronounced. This one does have a, a movement counter. So you're only allowed X number of moves. So you get X number of times you can attempt to launch your puck and have it hit those balls into the holes. The thing is, you don't have to wait until the puck hits it. So, or you don't have to wait till it stops. So you can grab that puck at any point and it slows down time and then you can start it launching again. And you're going to have to do that in order to end up solving some of these puzzles because otherwise the puck's not going to stop where you need it. You have to jump in and it just creates a whole different feel because obviously in pool, you're not going to hit the ball the the cue ball again while it's moving you're gonna wait until it stops and then take your next shot so it kind of goes against what you know which but i guess then again it's more like air hockey like you were saying where you're not gonna wait you're just gonna keep on hitting 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 so it it's definitely a different feel and a different than you're used to but it creates it ends up creating like these interesting puzzles because 
you're not just dealing with, I'm going to go here and that'll leave it here and then I can take this shot. No, you have to constantly think of where can I interrupt this thing to have it in the right spot to then hopefully angle at just the right angle to get this ball into either this hole or this hole. To, and you got to figure all that out and then do it in X number of moves. And that is kind of the most compelling aspect that bullet time effect to that can help you kind of not have a scratch but it also helps you get the proper angle on things because you're if you just let the ball go it might fly right past your next perfect aligned shot so you have to kind of be ready in a moment's instance you know this isn't a game to sit back you take your shot you sit back and wait for it to go and then you do your next shot it seems like it's like a constant challenge where you like you said will beat some levels by using that ability to take your next shot while your ball's still rolling so kind of winning or losing a particular level is going to come down to that but then also like you said you have those limited number of shots a lot of these levels you have three two or one shot you know it's not 10 shots so every shot counts but again you can do that quick second shot or third shot but do you want to burn it and so it's like that real-time balancing of your preferred shot strategy now the one thing i did notice was i don't think they ever tell you that you can do that that you can grab the puck and do it again while it's going i just happened to notice in their little video on the app store that it looked like that's what was happening Otherwise, there's really no tutorial. It just kind of throws you in there and tells you you can you figure out you can drag and then you can shoot. I don't remember ever telling me that I could do that. No, I don't think there's a... Tu Elo and Smash Puck don't have a tutorial. And with Smash Puck, the only reason I figured it out is because I tapped the screen to kind of have the puck speed up to get on to my next shot. And then I realized that it slowed down time. And that is an interesting kind of discovery. Yeah, because, I mean, you definitely have to use it. So I don't know how, if some people are really struggling and not realizing that they're not impatient like us and just tap the screen to, to move on, but I, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. But it's a really well-made game where it has... It's more of an action puzzle, where ELO is this more thoughtful puzzle. Smash Puck is an action puzzle game, kind of an idea... Imagine if when you played Peggle, you could take control of the ball after your shot. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good analogy. And so that's Smash Puck. It's $1.99. It's universal. And then there's a bunch of other free games we wanted to talk about, but the main one is Badland Brawl. Hopefully you've played Badland or Badland 2. They're outstanding action-based platformers where they kind of follow Murphy's Law where anything that can happen will happen it becomes some crazy contraptions that you're flying through you get your main little kind of bird creature he can spawn clones those clones can be enlarged or shrank killed and processed through these like meat grinders all kinds of crazy stuff happens and badland 2 essentially just amplifies it so then you have badland brawl and it's really nothing like either of those games <laughs> it barely even if you didn't know like, if they called it something else that didn't have the Badland name, you wouldn't know it's the, from the same developers except for the occasional backdrop. Like, you do have these clones as one of your kind of attacks, but that's about it. So, this game is that familiar kind of strategy game where both players have a tower. It's a multiplayer game. 
and your goal is to destroy your enemy's tower before they destroy yours, you have an energy meter or mana meter, and each one of your kind of units you can send out, but it's going to cost a certain number of mana. And then as you go, you're going to unlock new units. But the main kind of units are bombs. You have a bomb, and then you have kind of this aerial bomb deployment unit, a ground bomb deployment unit, this big guy with a hammer that smashes the bombs forward. But the main idea is that it revolves around bombs. And then you have these other things that are kind of more defensive tactics to deplete the bombs and the other bomb carriers that your enemy is throwing at you. And again, it's multiplayer based. The first person to destroy your enemy towers wins. But there's also this kind of campaign type of level structure where you face tiered up enemies as you go along this pathway. Yeah, it's it's really. I at first I didn't. I I don't know. I wasn't. I was just ignoring the Badland name, and <laughs> it actually took me a while. It wasn't until I saw the developer. I'm like, wait a minute. What do I know them from? And then I'm like, oh, that's stupid. It's Badland. That's why. And but yeah, because it does not feel like the same type of game. But it is that familiar. Uh, you're trying to deploy, wait for that mana to crawl up, and it's real time trying to deploy as much stuff at the enemy as you can. And you do have to use some strategy. It's not just like, let's get out my biggest or the quickest thing I can get out. You really kind of have to keep an eye on what your enemy is throwing at you and do something to counter it. And maybe you won't have it. Maybe you didn't equip your your uh, your arsenal with the right things to go against what he has. Maybe your things aren't leveled up enough. Maybe you just don't have them in your current listing of things you can pull from. You have to wait till something better comes along. But you constantly, it's just this energy rush as you're constantly trying to get things out. You're worried that it's, things are getting closer and you got to take something out before it explodes. And it's just this frenetic little battle each time you hop in. And so it. And the graphics, obviously, are, are phenomenally good. They, it's that same Badland kind of weird characters and things that you're used to. But it's it's one of these where, at first, I wasn't so sure. But the more I played it, the more I liked it, the more I unlocked different types of units, the more I, I enjoyed it. Because now you have <clears throat> all these other new tools at your disposal that maybe this was the piece that was missing in your attack. And now you have this thing. So I unlock this thing and it you shoot it out, flies through the air, picks up the first thing it hits. So it could be like an enemy that's coming towards you and brings it back over to the enemy's uh, tower and just drops it in there. And it has been my savior in so many battles when something is just about to explode in me. I get this thing just at the nick of time pulled out and it takes that bomb away or takes some big brute that's coming towards my tower and takes it away. And it's those little thrilling moments that keep you coming back to play more and more. I think the reason the action kind of stays up is because it's so compacted. You know, there's not that big, long area for the enemy to go. I mean, each tower is on one side of the screen, and there's a really short distance in between you. So every second counts of deploying the right units to either push back an enemy or advance your attack. And you just have that constant need of attention so you're not completely annihilated. Right, and, and it is online, so you have to be online. But it, it seems like 
the there's no lags. I haven't noticed any kind of lagging or I felt like there was a cheap win because I, things weren't working for me. The only lag you're going to have is waiting for that mana, which seems to crawl when you need like some big unit to come out and you need that thing to get up to six. You're like, why isn't this going faster? And you're just sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. But the actual connectivity of the game itself seems to be perfect like i didn't have any problems hopping right into a game no can't connect to server nothing like that and i think just that in like you said that compactness of the the level itself along with just the frenetic fast gameplay that's going on and these these actual matches are really quick that you don't have time to think you're just trying to do the best at what you have available to you and using some strategy but also just getting things out to make sure that you always have pressure on your opponent that they have to counter with something i think the physics engine also helps out because a lot of these games you know you send out your archer unit or your soldier unit and then they go and do their own thing but this game you know bombs are deployed and they'll hit different angles and roll different ways and have different momentum so you have this constant kind of physics battle where you're pushing things that way you're push they're pushing things back the other way they fly up in the air you have different angles when the clones hit them or that big brawler guy hits them and so it's always different because it's like this fluid action in this little center area between the two towers yeah, I definitely agree that that whole Angry Birds dragging and releasing that allows you to set an angle of exactly how you want this thing to come out adds so much depth to the gameplay rather than your typical thing where maybe, okay, my man is full, tap, release that thing, release that thing, release that thing, and they just kind of just walk along a straight line and just move out like out of your tower, troop after troop after troop. This gives you kind of that strategy of maybe causing a ricochet to get things to bounce away or trying to head off. Maybe you don't care about these little guys that are out front. You want to take out that thing that's coming up behind them. So you wait out you wait it out drag it just to angle the thing so it can hop over those other things you, you'll take the minor damage but then take out this larger thing that's behind it or at least kind of push it back and then there's always that kind of struggle of this tug of war where you're pushing and pulling depending on what types of things you've shot out and they've shot out and it just ends up for a much more interesting battle than if you were to just tap and deploy tap and deploy tap and deploy Yep, so that's Badland Brawl. It's free, it's universal. And then there are just some minor minor games <laughs> that are major titles. So we have Pac-Man, Ralph Breaks the Maze, which is Pac-Man plus the new Wreck-It Ralph sequel. And that's all well and good. They add uh, Fix-It Felix to kind of build walls, and then Ralph comes and breaks them within the maze itself. Kind of, It switches up the Pac-Man idea. But the fun twist is that somehow there's unlockable game packs so you have a ralph game pack or a vanelli p game pack you also have game packs for the different disney princesses that are going to appear in the sequel each one is 6.99 and so there's 10 of them you could spend 70 dollars on a pac-man game for your phone or ipad and we were looking into this because it seems weird and i guess they're somehow tied into toys yeah there's actually 14 of them and so there's these toy these little minifigures i guess you can buy and they're like these little two and a half inch to three inch tall figures. And each one of these figures 
comes with a code that you would then enter to unlock the that character's maze within the game, which those figures, I think, cost $9.99, or maybe you can find them on sale for a little bit less. So that explains why they're charging you $6.99 if you just want to pay to unlock the content. They obviously want to try to sell these figures rather than just giving away the content at a much cheaper price within the app. But then if you're the one looking at this game and you know nothing about these figures like I did, and I, I think you did at first until we realized this, it just looks like it is a cash grab because six nine nine for six levels is insane. And then you're going to do this 14 times to unlock the entire game. I mean, that's an insane amount of money for a Pac-Man game. And I, I, I don't know, maybe once these figures kind of been around for a while, they're going to reduce it and have something to just unlock all the content, which I don't know. At least give me one level to see what's even different with these character, these other characters, see if it's even worth unlocking any of the content once the price comes down. There's no way I'm pay it's paying $6.99 as it is, as it stands now, and I have no interest in these figures, so I'm kind of stuck with the free little demo, which is basically Pac-Man with a slight theme on it. It's not all that interesting. It's nothing we haven't seen before. Once I saw those in-app purchases, I deleted the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why I just wanted to mention it. Be careful out there. <laughs> yeah. And then Especially if you have candy... kids. Yeah, definitely. There's also Candy Crush Friends Saga. Just when you thought there was enough Candy Crush games, they have a new one for you. And so I fired this one up thinking it was going to be kind of like Angry Birds Friends where you have these like daily level leaderboard kind of things. It really emphasizes the friends because every Candy Crush game to date has friend connection you can see where they are on the map you know you're at a level 1200 they're at a level 1100 or whatever but for some reason this game emphasizes friends in the title so you fire it up and you have that same exact map where you can see your friends and you get to see friends leaderboard scores for each level it didn't seem anything different than their usual friend setup but that wasn't the biggest problem for me i thought you know at the outset when you have these little boards and it takes up no part of the screen, you're like, okay, that's weird that it's not the usual form where the candy board takes up most of the screen. It's this little tiny board at the start. So maybe that's just the tutorial levels. But you start playing into the game and it's always this little tiny board. The little pieces of candy are minuscule over the entire screen space that they can use. They waste part of the screen with a little girl to be able to dance at the bottom of the screen as candy comes raining down as you make matches. It's <laughs> this weirdest thing i have no idea how they designed and decided to waste screen space and not use it all when you've already have an established game board to fit these screens yeah so that's where the friends come in because those are the friends they're not talking about your friends they're talking about these friends which are now these characters that are your character you're playing with and they have a special ability so they do something where they might introduce after every so often they'll introduce a special piece of candy onto the board or three fish up onto the board. So that's where the this whole new friends aspect comes in. And as you play, you unlock additional characters, which then you can choose which character when you go in to play the game that's uh, the character you're taking with you. And they kind of give you an idea of maybe which one might be helpful in this particular situation or this particular board that you're about to play. I haven't played Candy Crush in probably 
three or four years, like I stopped playing. I played the original one for a little bit. I never got that hooked on it and never really played that much. And so I hopped into this one to see what was different. And I do like that little character. I like that, that you could, it's kind of changes things up a little bit because now you have this character that does something new. But like you, this it's weird that they made the board so uninterestingly small. Like, make it much bigger. Make it the, the style that you're used to. You could still have this character somewhere on the board. I know you want to kind of make it 3D and make it look like they're looking at the person at the screen. It's, I don't know. It is kind of weird. I, I don't know why they chose to go this direction with the setup. That being said, I did play this game far more than I ever thought I would ever play another uh, Candy Crush game. I think I'm up to level 35 or something. I can't believe I made it that far. I thought I would make it about five levels and quit. So I guess, I don't know, it kind of kept my interest. But at the same time, it's kind of a weird entry into the this this game series. Just, I, I don't know, It's it's a different approach, I guess. But with that said, I mean, those friends' special powers, they don't change the core candy idea. I mean, you still unlock the striped candy, the fish candy, and then that big chocolate ball candy. You still have the same candies. They just kind of help you along. And it seems like that help made sure that you beat the level no matter what. Like, you're kind of in a bind. There's only four moves left, and you need to, you know, pop these certain number of plastics in the background. And they're like, here's this special that, I don't know, I couldn't even see the power meter that I was earning towards that special. So maybe I just missed that. But it seemed like at the most opportune time, the little girl helped me out. And so, I don't know. I got to level 50-something on soda just because that soundtrack that orchestra soundtrack of candy crush soda <laughs> saga is outstanding you can get lost in that game but this one that tiny screen it threw me off because kind of the stereotype of playing candy crush are grandmothers and you know, older women and stuff and so their eyesight might not be the best and you make these little tiny candy pieces and then also you know maybe they're not the most familiar with phones and all that kind of stuff and you're going to make the kind of swipe touch points that much smaller it just seems counterintuitive to the core audience i don't know if the stereotype is there for a reason but it seems like their core audience would be people who would want things bigger on screen not smaller on screen so to me on my ipad everything was pretty big it, it the thing i thought was weird was it didn't it only took up like a small square in the center of the screen it didn't take up like the entire screen it wasn't i forget which one it was there was one that was the dog one where the levels scrolled and you got a lot more like more interesting levels this it was just like a one maybe a 10 by 10 grid in the center of the screen where i think they could have made stuff even bigger than it was and maybe filled it up the screen it just felt like there was a lot of wasted space where they just had that character at the bottom but again i was playing on the ipad i don't know how it looks on on a phone if it's even i smaller. played on the iphone 10 and the max just to see if it was a max bug where they didn't display properly but even on the iphone 10 it's the same thing where they waste screen at the top bottom left and right there's this little tiny grid of candy pieces and so i loaded the original candy or soda candy on my phone just to make sure that I'm not seeing things that the actual candy pieces are smaller and 
they are. It's weird. I I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea why the candy pieces and the candy board is smaller when that's the core part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they wanted to make room for their, their anime 3D characters. Yeah, I hope that was worth it. They, uh, maybe they spent a lot of money on that. We're making sure that's front and center. Well, they probably sell minifigures for six ninety nine that you can buy yep. of these characters. <laughs> Ultimately, that's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's Candy Crush Friends Saga. If you're a big fan of Candy Crush, stick to whatever Candy Crush you're already playing. <laughs> and then to round out the week is Dizzy Night, which it's published by Noodle Cake, so... I thought that was going to be relatively promising. And then you jump into the game. And so it's kind of like quick action RPG where you have this knight and he automatically spins in the center of the screen. And you just have, you can touch anywhere on screen to kind of move him around to make sure his sword hits enemies. And it turns out that's all that you do. You defeat a bunch of enemies and then you level up. And then you, once you level up 10 times, a big boss comes out, you beat the boss and then you get a new environment, but essentially it's the same game. And I once I died the first time, it says, you've unlocked endless mode. And I'm like, isn't that what I was just playing? It feels <laughs> like they call it a campaign, but it was just an endless mode in itself. Yeah, this one was a disappointment for me, too. I saw Noodle Cake, and I, I immediately, because I love their stuff. And unfortunately, it just felt really repetitive as soon as you you start playing and they do introduce some new character types that new enemy types that you have to like kind of take a different a slightly different approach to take them out so maybe you have to avoid some uh, fire attack or some kind of attack they do some just kind of bounce around almost seemingly random so you, you don't want to get too close because you get hit but like you i thought i was in endless mode because i didn't seem to die i just kept on going and going and going and then i get hearts and then i would live longer and then i'd buy an upgrade that would give me even more health and i don't know i just to me it didn't seem like it was going anywhere and i just wish it was there was more to it it just felt like it was just too much of the same repetitive action even though they changed the location and maybe introduced a few new characters it it just it just didn't click with me, especially when you had other games like Grim Valor, which just really captivated my attention. I didn't want to spend more time with this. I wanted to get back to Grim Valor and see how far I could make it. And I don't know. It just was really disappointing, especially coming from Noodle Cake. Yep. So that's Dizzy Night. It's free. It's universal. I think that's everything for episode 86. Yep. That's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later. Bye.